Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Lara Bingle and Brendan Favola spent a matter of weeks together in 2006 only to spend years rebuilding their reputations and romantic relationships. Then, one morning in 2010, a naked photo landed on the cover of Woman's Day. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews. Welcome back to episode two of Scandal. We are very excited to be here. We have so much to discuss. What did we cover last week? Yeah, so this is part two of our Lara Bingle, Brendan Favola deep dive. And I guess last week we went into quite a bit of detail about their affair and the fact that what really surprised me about their affair as someone who's 26 right now, and this was something that happened 15, 16 years ago, was that I did not realise at the time this affair only went for a matter of three to five weeks. It was a blip. It was tiny. Affair even, I mean, I know it was an affair, but that even makes it sound too serious for what it was. It was a fling. Yeah, an absolute fling. And so we covered the years between 2006 and 2010, Mish. So a four-year period of time where Lara burst onto the scene with the where the bloody hell are you ad. <laughs> then, of course, her fleeting affair with Brendan Favola, the fallout from that, and then, of course, her meeting Michael Clark. Yeah, her love story, the fairy tale love story. She was very, very young when she met Aussie cricketer Michael Clark. They were madly in love with each other. Where we left episode one was the morning that Lara woke up and found a photo of herself on the cover of Woman's Day. Exactly. So it's March 2010, Mish, and she is at this point engaged to Michael Clark when she sees this naked photo of her that is everywhere. So let's rewind and go back to 2010. Let's do it. All right. So Lara wakes up. She sees the photo of herself on the cover of Woman's Day. What isn't quite clear is whether she knew this was coming, whether she was given a heads up, asked for comment. We're not quite clear on that. What we do know is that the photo had kind of been circulating in the 2010 version of group chats. I don't even know. Did group chats exist back then? Well, I think so. But I think what we found with footballers in the years since is that WhatsApp and that forward function on WhatsApp. And when Mm. I say the forward function, it's like how easy it is to share stuff between WhatsApp group chats. It's definitely got worse over the years, but something was happening back in 2010 because when this photo 
popped up on Women's Day and it's kind of gross that we keep calling it that photo or this photo, but it was so ubiquitous that it feels like everyone knows exactly the photo we were talking about. Like Lara was there not posing for the photo, clearly caught off guard. Her her mouth is sort of pursed into what I would honestly assume is like fuck off. Or what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You can kind of see it's like an anger response that she's doing. She's trying to cover her body. And when it was published in Woman's Day, an unnamed source, and we really should be clear about that, it was an (laughs) unnamed source, said that the image was on a lot of people's phones. It had been around for years. And this unnamed source also told Woman's Day, Feb made no secret of his affair and seemed comfortable to pass it around to others. That is, of course, an unsubstantiated comment, though. Yeah. Brendan Favola did deny allegations that he was the one who leaked the nude photo of Lara Bingle to friends. He denied that, but Lara didn't buy his denial at all. She has always maintained that she believes the footballer was behind the leak. She actually started proceedings to sue Brendan Favola for breach of privacy, defamation and misuse of her image. She also, and this is what we really have to sink our teeth into, first of all, she did make a deal with the very same magazine, Woman's Day, for a reported $200,000 to then tell her story in a subsequent issue. Yeah, and this is where the story gets a little bit complicated, right? Because it's clearly an image that she didn't, as we said, she didn't consent to, didn't like, didn't want to be spread around. It is then clearly something that made her quite angry when it was published, as you would in 2010, Mm. some four years after the fact. But she did sell her story to the same magazine that published it. Now, I think it should be noted that at this point in her career, she was managed by infamous celebrity manager Max Markson. And I think we need a little sidebar about Max Markson. Please. All right. So the name's probably familiar to a lot of our Australian listeners. Max Markson has been around in the industry (laughs) for what feels like forever, decades and decades. He's in fact still kicking around and doing his managerial thing today. But back in 2010, Max Markson had developed a bit of a reputation for repping D-listers, which is what (gasps) makes the Lara Bingle Association so interesting because she wasn't A D-lister, she had a very famous boyfriend. She herself was a very famous model. She had also been repped by Priscilla's model management before Max Markson, which is quite a highbrow modelling agency. So for her to align herself with Max Markson is odd in the first place, particularly when you look at his catalogue of the people and the kind of celebrities he's repped in the past. Max Markson is the same guy who once represented party animal Corey Worthington. Do you remember (laughs) him? The the crazy party bogan Corey Worthington. He also represented the career of controversial footballer Warwick Kappa. Just like no offence, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and, and controversial figures too. I think yeah. that was very much Max's bread and butter controversy. And I think looking back, the choice of Max Markson as her manager, I mean, we look back and we think it deviated from her personal brand, but she was caught up in a bit of controversy. Some of it of her own doing, a lot of it not of her own doing, mm. but who knows how she feels about that relationship and those decisions that she made now. But it was an odd look back then, her selling her story to the very same publication that did seek to profit off, you know, the naked image of a woman that a woman didn't consent to. It was a very tough message to sell to the public. So the public naturally were a little bit put off by this, weren't they? Yeah, well, people were accusing her of it all being a publicity stunt. People accused her of leaking her own naked image to Woman's Day and then capitalising in a future issue by pocketing 200k. I think it's understandable in this instance. A lot of the ways that we talk about Lara Bingle to me in this era are not understandable, but I do see how the public kind of raised an eyebrow at this decision and said, how can you be so upset about your naked image being released if you're then going to sidle up to the same publication who released it? Her quote, though, to her credit, 
did go away to explaining why she made the decision to partner with Women's Day. Her quote in the magazine was, this is anything but a publicity stunt. It has been terribly humiliating for me. This is why I wanted to speak to the same magazine and to the same readers who would have seen the photo and read the article in last week's edition. This is my attempt to reduce the damage caused to me when Brendan circulated the photo. I also feel exploited and compromised by the release of a photograph I never gave permission to him to take and one he promised he had deleted when he realised how upset I was that he would do that. Like a quick devil's advocate thought that I've had here is if Lara, and this is huge devil's advocate and I really don't think this happened, but let's say she did actually leak her own photo to Woman's Day. Do you actually blame a woman for wanting to make money off a photo that's already circulating in group chats against your will? Like, is that something that we simply can't understand? I don't think that happened at all, but I'm like, God, if people are circulating this against your will, is this not a scenario where you want some power back? Yeah, it would be reclaiming the power for yourself, right? Controlling the narrative. It's very, very much like the Kim Kardashian, Kris Jenner narrative of, oh, Kim used her sex tape for publicity, when in reality, the sex tape was being marketed around and instead of trying to push something down that wasn't going to be pushed down, Kim and Chris took control of it and decided to profit off Kim's own sex tape. It's like a similar thing, right? Sort of. That, And that is a complete hypothetical because the story is very much that this was leaked by somebody else against her will again. But I think we should reiterate too that while Lara on the record is insisting that Brendan leaked her naked photo, he insists that he didn't. And he was actually cleared by the AFL and his footy team, the Brisbane Lions, due to insufficient evidence. Mm. So the AFL and the Brisbane Lions did an investigation into who leaked the photo, couldn't quite work out who did, so they said due to insufficient evidence, we can clear him. I mean, the league did say that investigators who looked into the matter came back with conflicting accounts of how the image was leaked, so it was just thrown out altogether. It felt very much like it is too hard to get to the bottom of it, so we can't say who did it for sure. Yeah, if we were going to follow Lara's theory that Brendan was the person behind the photo leak, It is really interesting to think about what would happen if this story, instead of occurring in 2010, occurred in 2021, because the legalities of committing revenge porn are very different today to what they were a decade ago. Yeah, well, then that's exactly right. If Lara's story is true and a former partner leaked a photo of her against her will, then these days this might actually be considered revenge porn. And I think what I want to do here, Mish, is set the tone of what the conversations were like back in 2010 about this scenario in particular. I mean, she wanted to, when speaking to Women's Day, push back against the slut-shaming rhetoric, push back against people who said this was her fault and take the power back. But it feels very much like Australia wasn't ready for that. I mean, revenge porn as a phrase wasn't even part of our lexicon. Exactly. It was just naked image, nude image. A UTS senior lecturer did speak to News Corp at the time and their quote was super interesting. People in the public eye should be very careful and aware of the fact that photographs taken of them in what could be an embarrassing situation could pop up in the future. It's incredibly naive of them to think this might not be the case. That's almost like saying... Never be naked. Never be naked around someone because if you choose to be naked, you're choosing for your naked body to exist 
anywhere. I simply can't imagine this being said today, like at all. Particularly in the context of this scenario too, which is not like a nude photo that she's taken on her own phone being leaked, which would be horrendous anyway, Mm. but it is a nude photo that's been taken against her will. So it's like, okay, I'm not allowed to take a shower and it looks like she's very much in the (laughs) shower here. I'm not allowed to take a shower because someone could snap a photo of me and leak it to the press. Like it is just ridiculous. It does very much remind me of when Vanessa Hudgens had those nude photos leaked of her Mm. against her own will. And I don't know if it was her management or the films or TV shows that she was working on at the time made her apologise for even taking them. Yeah, she had to issue apologies. I think this has been a very slow-moving cruise ship, right? Like we started with the Lara Bingles and the Vanessa Hudgens who had to apologise for daring to be naked when there was a, I don't know, a camera phone within 10 metres of them. Then we kind of had the Jennifer Lawrence era of that nude photo leak and people kind of starting to see that these women, instead of being evil for daring to be naked or naive, to use a term that that quote had for being naked, to actually being victims. And now I think we've actually gotten to the point where we do really sympathise with the women who have had their own images weaponised against them. Yeah, of course. But it wasn't just conversations that were aggressive back in 2010. I mean, the law was backwards too. One professor professor of law and commerce at the University of South Australia also told News Corp at the time that it was extremely unlikely that Bingle would receive any assistance from the law. They went on to say there is no issue of breach of privacy because there is no such legal action available in Australia in these circumstances, which blows my mind a bit. And I wanted to kind of do some digging on this because it seemed kind of unbelievable to me that someone could have a photo taken of them in such a compromising way against their will, released to the public, and you have no legal avenue to chase. Mm. So I called in an expert mission. That expert was Dr. Nicola Henry, who is a senior research fellow at RMIT University. And I said to her when we were researching this episode, is this actually true? And she said, yes. She said, there were existing laws then, but they weren't very specific and they weren't doing a good job at tackling these kinds of offences, which were becoming increasingly common because this is when the world started to become increasingly digitised. And so in 2013, so only eight years ago, South Australia became the first jurisdiction to introduce specific criminal laws regarding the distribution of an invasive image. Mm. Victoria followed suit a year later and the rest of the country drafted their own legislation in the years after that. But I think the point is, and what is Dr. Henry's point, is that if something like this happened to Lara Bingle now and the police were able to get to the bottom of exactly who was behind the leg, it could be a criminal offence. Which is really interesting because I would also argue, and I'm very curious there are any policemen or police women listening, I think the police do have greater power to kind of trace these things digitally now. If this happened in 2010, we were probably quite basic and rudimentary with how we were investigating these kind of cyber crimes or cyber acts. Whereas now I think we're far more intelligent with how things travel online. Yeah. Well, I think what Dr. Nicola Henry was making the point of is that back then no one took issues regarding the distribution of intimate images very seriously. And we can see this in how regressive the conversations were in many news outlets. A shift in sentiment has absolutely occurred in the 11 years since this image was published. And laws haven't been the only reason for that. I mean, laws aren't perfect. She made that point too, but they do play a role in sort of helping slowly shift sentiment and recognising the severity of incidents like these. Yeah, I even think back to when I was in high school that we sometimes had images of women or girls at high school circulated and instead of thinking, oh my God, these poor girls who have had this video or this photo sent around class, we think, oh, 
why were they in that situation to begin with? And I think the Lara Bingle incident very much harks back to our creation of her, and I'm saying this in inverted commas, as the slut. So when this came out, it was like, well, of course Lara Bingle's naked, as if every person under the sun isn't naked once a day. Yeah, and I also think it's really important to do another age check here. 22. She's so, so young, and it's this point where it's not just her reputation is really taking a hit, her relationship starts to take a hit too, Mish. Yeah, exactly right. We're going to dive into that, the breakdown of Lara Bingle's romantic relationship with Michael Clark after the break. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, Zara, before the break, you did tease it out. You said Lara didn't just pay the price in her professional career, she paid the price in her romantic relationship too. Yeah, and this is a really kind of sad thing to go back and sort of recognise the timeline here. So just days before the photo was leaked to Woman's Day, the Herald Sun report that the public were given full access to this argument that happened between Lara Bingle and Michael Clark at the SCG. So SCG members were standing by and they were taking photos of Lara and Michael as they were in this argument at the SCG. So you can imagine the timing then of this image coming out. They clearly were either in a rocky space privately or just having a normal argument, but at the very least, the public thought they were in a rocky space. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm projecting, but I think if you're a very high profile couple and you're having an argument in public that you just can't kind of simmer down, you can't get control of it to be like, this is a conversation we're going to have behind closed doors. You're clearly not in the best place that you've been in across your relationship. Like most couples would say, we don't (laughs) fight in public, let alone famous couples. Well, exactly. They would know how many people are watching that. And if they're still having an argument thinking, I don't really care, I need to get this out, then something's clearly up. I mean, the timing again is very interesting. It is just days before the photo was leaked. So God knows if they did have a heads up and that's the kind of thing they were arguing about. But according to the Australian Associated Press, Michael was reportedly deeply unhappy with the Woman's Day deal that she had cut with Max Markson. He wanted to play cricket and have a quiet life. So a massive mag deal like this one wasn't exactly in keeping with the values he said he had Mm. or the life that he said he wanted to live. And I mean, that could sound sexist, but by all reports, we've looked at how Michael Clark has lived his life over the last decade. And I would say that on the whole, he is pretty private. He doesn't really do deals with the new ideas and the woman's day. So that report from Australian Associated Press, while we're not sure about the veracity of that claim, it does kind of hold up with how he's lived his life, even with his divorce last year, Zara, from Kylie Clark. It does hold up with how he's lived generally. Yeah, well, they did a joint statement to The Australian, didn't they? Yes. So they have their publications and it doesn't really feel like Woman's Day fits in the remit of what Michael Clark tends to lean into. The argument that broke out between Michael Clark and Lara Bingle was so significant that Michael Clark actually left a two-game test in New Zealand to fly home and have what people were calling crisis talks with Lara about their relationship, which of course stirred up this massive controversy in sporting media that a very high-profile cricketer was leaving a game to go deal with his personal life, which was very much not the vibe of the moment. Well, to be honest, I don't even know if it's the vibe of the moment now. Like the way that we look at sporting stars in the country is very much this sense of sacrifice. Like they must sacrifice things in order to play for us. Like they're our representatives. So a player flying home to deal with his personal life, albeit very important stuff in his personal life, is not going to be looked well upon by the public. Well, I've seen football players get slammed for leaving a football game because their child's being born. (laughs) So God knows how people were talking about this. We do actually have a couple of quotes. The Daily Telegraph published comments. So of course, every news publication 
Online has a comment section, but the Daily Telegraph actually pulled some comments and made an article out of it. They published this one from a reader who wrote, Michael Clark should be sacked for putting his high-maintenance fiancé above his duties to international cricket. Clark should not captain Australia if he is going to walk out every time Lara pulls a publicity stunt. Until you let her go, you will not be a respected Australian cricketer. Yeah, and as you said, that was a comment from someone in the public, but that was a comment that they deliberately elevated in their article to make bold and big. I feel like it's a good time as well to remind the listeners of the coverage that existed before this controversy from back in 2007 when Lara Bingle did start dating Michael Clark. Remember that article from Peter Roebuck who said that she was not a good sporting quote-unquote wife, that she was mm. too distracting, that she didn't understand her role and that a good sporting partner did not make any extra demands. I mean, there was another really interesting line, this one was from the New Zealand Herald, that insinuated that Clark could not succeed in cricket with Bingle by his side. The line was, Clark, who already leads the Australian 2020 side, has high aspirations and is widely tipped to succeed current test captain Ricky Ponting when he retires. However, his decision to return to Australia was immediately condemned by Australian cricket followers yesterday who flooded websites calling for him to dump Bingle or forget about the test captaincy. Right. So Michael Clark does fly back to Bondi. He flies back to their $6 million Bondi apartment for these crisis talks. And after being holed up in their apartment for more than 24 hours away from the prying eye of the media. The couple did release a joint statement late on a Friday night. And I feel sad reading this. Like these are two young people and this controversy and the drama and the flashing lights has clearly got to them because they did say Michael Clark and Lara Bingle have decided to end their engagement. They ask the media to respect their privacy during this difficult time. No further comment will be made. Well, I think the hardest part about this story and one thing that celebrities often don't have to deal with is having this play out in real time. Mm. Like people knew that this nude photo was released. We knew that he was flying home. We knew then that they had locked themselves in their apartment for two days because no doubt paparazzi were just camping outside their house. And then we saw the statement. So we we knew everything that had happened, which doesn't happen that often. And I think that's the hardest part for probably these two, again, when they're both so young. It all happened within the space of two weeks, which is pretty shattering. This, of course, isn't all doom and gloom. There was one pretty funny story to come out of the Michael and Lara breakup. They were dropped from their energy drink label Synergy. They were the faces of Synergy because Synergy was all about like being a great duo that works amazingly together. So when the breakup was announced, Synergy had to kind of follow suit. Synergy released a statement saying, due to recent events and the announcement of Michael and Lara's separation, they no longer represent Synergy's core values, that of forces combining to create greater, healthier energy. I mean, I think you can argue that if two people are going through a breakup, (laughs) they are not combining to create greater, healthier Yeah, energy. I mean, perhaps most famously, Mish, the one thing that we haven't even touched on in this breakup is that very famous rumour of how the union reportedly came to an end that really did dominate the news cycle at the time. An article from The Australian on March 14, 2010, summed up the whispers pretty well. This is the quote. (laughs) Plumbers were reportedly called to a Sydney apartment once shared by Lara Bingle and Michael Clark to search for an item of significant value lost down a toilet. The Sydney newspaper then quoted an employee from Twin Pipes Plumbers saying they had a call at about 2.30 in the morning to an apartment block where the high-profile couple lived reporting that someone had placed something worth a lot of money down the toilet. I would kill to know if this story is true because even until today, Michael and Lara denied this ever happened. 
which makes me think, well, how, like, how does this come out? How does Twin Pipes Plumbing come out and say it did happen? I would find it really hard to believe that it didn't happen, if I'm honest. And I think that speaks to where the article is coming from. Like it is coming from the Australian. The Australian don't usually dabble in just useless gossip. Mm. I mean, they have their problematic politics, but they're not like a woman's day or a daily mail who just report unwittingly with unnamed sources. Like they do have a plumbing company that say that it happened. The funny thing is as well is I'm wondering what happened. Like to be a fly on the wall where you've had this argument, someone's put a $200,000 ring down the toilet, then adding up the maths in both of their heads to be like, we're quite wealthy. This will draw a lot of headlines. What value is it worth to us to actually call out plumbers when there's a whole media contingent camped out the front of our apartment? I mean, it was still like a $200,000 ring, wasn't it? I mean, like, you know what? I mean, despite all the media taking all these cheap shots, all these rumours circulating about how their relationship fell down, Michael did eventually return to New Zealand, Mish, to continue the cricket test. He hit 100 runs there, a century, which is Mm. not that common. I mean, he was a good player, but after so much personal turmoil, it's hardly the time that you turn out and play a really good game. Yeah, I would say a pretty brave performance given the kind of rhetoric that he was distracted and he wasn't committed to the team. To return and then hit a century is pretty magnificent. He did tell interviewers after the game, it's a very special feeling anytime you make 100, but it's been a tough couple of weeks. The support I've had from my family, friends, teammates and Lara as well has been tremendous. Without her and her support, I certainly wouldn't have been back over. To my family and friends who have supported me and Lara, Lara, I thank them very much. I mean, it's lovely then that he obviously did recognise Lara, even though it was over. In November of that year, Lara also said, the dynamic is still there. We're the best of friends. Michael and I have amazing chemistry. If we seemed like a golden couple, it was because we were genuinely in love. Mm. Yeah. So that was the Lara and Michael relationship breakdown. Should we move on to what was happening in Brendan Favola's life around this time? Because the nude photo leak came at a time when Brendan Favola's career was flailing. Yeah. So we've got two parallel stories going on here, I guess, or two parallel narratives. We've got the Lara Bingle, Michael Clark one, which sadly came to an end in 2010. But we also have the fall of Brendan Favola's career at this time. People probably know, particularly people in Melbourne, that the name Brendan Favola is very synonymous with controversy and not just controversy around Lara Bingle. Mm, Exactly right. We touched on this at the beginning of episode one, but the irony is that the AFL footy show, which was a fixture in Brendan Favola's career, was also a fixture of all of his biggest scandals. So it was the setting of where he met Lara Bingle in the first place, but it was ultimately also where he lost his job at Carlton Football Club. So Brendan was sacked in 2009, at the end of 2009, after footage of him at the Brownlow Medal aired on the AFL footy show Grand Final Program, showing him to be really drunk and be a bit of a public nuisance. The club was kind of like, this is one incident too many. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. And that was almost the beginning of the end of Brendan's football career. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one point anyway on that footy show thing is it's interesting. Yes, he was very drunk when he was doing this footage, but Channel 9 still chose to air it. And I think that's one point that's really been forgotten in a lot of this is a lot of people have been on their high horse about his behaviour doing that segment, but a a network still chose to air it knowing exactly what was going to happen. They enabled him. They were paying him to be as part of their show and be a fixture on their show. And they were also playing a part in his public fall down breakdown. Well, exactly. And I think that Larrikin character was so big for the footy show that this is the kind of behaviour that they wanted to put forward. And yet it was part of his downfall. I mean, anyway, in the summer of 2010, 
Brendan Favola really did start to lose control of his life. He has a well-reported gambling addiction and it became so severe that on one occasion he won $365,000 in a single day and had lost every cent of it within 24 hours. Yeah. So his gambling addiction is at its peak when the Woman's Day cover is published and it's only a few months later that wife Alex actually leaves Brendan Favola and takes the kids back to Melbourne, leaving him in Queensland because he was, of course, by that point playing for the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, and the reports are, and what both Alex and Brendan have said since, is that she had no money. Like, she had to go back home to Melbourne to move in back with her parents because he had gambled everything they ever had away. It's a really sad story here because, yes, it's the story of an affair. Yes, we've had the story of a nude photo. But separate to that, we have this very, very sad story of a gambling addiction, which any family who's been touched by gambling and gambling addiction would feel extreme empathy for. Yeah, well, it's a mental health crisis. Let's actually play a snippet of Alex Favola speaking to the media about Brendan's mental health issues around this time. Brendan was just so, so good at, you know, keeping a lid on things and he had excuses for this and excuses for that. But it gets to a point where, you know, there is so many issues in a marriage. It's not just the gambling or just drinking or just cheating or, you know, it, it was just the whole thing. I I just was at the end of the road and I couldn't... Um, I couldn't see how I could possibly trust him again. So it's pretty obvious. I mean, there is the cheating, like Alex said, but there's also a lot going on in Brendan Favola's mind that meant he wasn't ready to be the husband and father that she needed him to be. Yeah, exactly. And the the controversy genuinely didn't end then. In September 2010, he was then accused of acting improperly towards a woman at like a club barbecue. Mm. At the time, Lions Chief Executive Michael Bowers said that a man had rung the Brisbane Lions to complain about his inappropriate behaviour towards the man's wife when the couple and their two children were at a non-club function. So I don't think it was an official club function where Mm. Favola and several other Brisbane Lions players were in attendance. Brendan Favola did touch on this in his book, Mish. He wrote about it and he said, having such an accusation levelled against me was devastating. Although I repeatedly pleaded my innocence, I was suspended indefinitely by the club, which I thought was a disgrace. Whatever happened to being innocent until proven guilty, the woman had made up her story. So I was soon cleared by parallel investigations run by Queensland Police and the AFL. Yeah, so we know he was cleared, but as is common with these stories, it does tend to be a bit of a he said, she said, which is difficult to prove. Well, yeah, again, going back to the nude photo, it often does come back to insufficient evidence, doesn't it? Mm, Yeah, so Brennan Favola did admit to self-harming and hitting rock bottom around this time. He did play with Brisbane for 2010, but then was let go. By 2011, he had found himself admitted to a psychiatric facility. He was being treated for depression, for alcohol abuse and for gambling. He spent 60 days there and then spent the year of 2011 playing local footy. So it was a pretty fast fall from the glamorous life he was living when he was an AFL star and earning $700,000 a year. Yeah, exactly. So by 2014, his divorce with wife Alex was finalised. He was spending like the bulk of his time playing regional footy or coaching the Yarrawonga Pigeons. Alex had started launching her own businesses here in Melbourne. And by 2016, he joined the cast of I'm a Celebrity, which was the biggest turnaround of all. Yeah, let's talk about Brendan's rebuild because this rebuild is pretty iconic and pretty popular within the Australian media landscape. People love talking about Brendan Favola's redemption story. So how did it begin? So it began, as I said, with him joining the cast of I'm a Celebrity. He made 
the final five with none other than Shane Warne, who is a good mate of his. So it feels like, you know, like the bad boys of Australian sport <laughs> colliding. And he went on to win the show, the $100,000 prize over Paul Harrigan. He was there in the jungle for 44 days. Yeah, and this was perhaps the smartest move Brennan Favola ever Easily. made for his career because 1.1 million Australians tuned in to watch him win that show. He later told SEN that his time on reality TV was actually better for his personal growth than going to a clinic and actually being rehabilitated. So the quote was, I just got back with Alex in October and I've been away for 50 days now. So to lose that again after I just got that back, to miss the family, you just sit there and reflect and obviously grow up a little bit. You've got a lot of time to think in here. It's time to grow up and be a man. I didn't really learn too much in rehab because you're always sedated. Alex came into camp three days ago and said, "Hun, this was your rehab. This is what should have happened when you were in rehab. This is life-changing for you and for the first time in eight years, I'm really proud. Which is a lovely quote for the both of them. I mean, he also told SEN, I stuffed up a lot in my younger days and obviously lost my career twice from drinking and doing the gambling stuff. It was good to come onto this show and show Australia I'm just a normal guy that likes to have fun. I mean, off the back of his success on I'm a Celebrity, he started a regular gig on Fifi and Dave. It was the city's biggest radio show. He'd go on random segments like Q&A with Feb where nothing was <laughs> off limits. I mean, five years later, he still spearheads that show with Fifi Box. Yeah. He got this right. There's no other way that you can twist it. He absolutely got this redemption arc right. I mean, Alex, his wife, was telling him, don't speak about our relationship. Don't tell people the fact that we're back together. But it worked. He actually did go on and was completely open and transparent about his life. And people opted in and people started to really care about this very modern, very unconventional love story between Brendan and Alex Favola. Yeah, and the quotes from Alex are really interesting because she did tell the Herald Sun at the time, I was a little bit embarrassed and a little bit scared of being judged for getting back with him, which is why she didn't want him to say anything. Like he had promised her before going on the show, I won't tell the world that we're back together. And I think within about three days he said it <laughs> on the show. I mean, he went on to tell the Herald Sun, Alex has always been there and supported me. And I think the one person that always stuck by me, that's pretty rare to have that. I don't think it was always love, but she believed in me. I want to talk about Alex Favola because it takes incredible strength to stay with someone who has hurt you and who has hurt your family and say, no, I see the good and I'm going to make sure that my family and the rest of the world sees good too. I think very often when we talk about women who have been wronged by men who get back together with them, our perception or our public conversation is that they're weak or that they're a doormat, but she's absolutely the opposite. No, she's not a doormat. If anything, she's the pillar of strength who has pulled Brendan Favola through his life. And he would be the first person to tell you that the way he speaks about Alex Favola now shows that he knows just how important she's been to his personal growth and him actually surviving to this point. It's not... It's not out there to say, and Brennan's admitted this himself, without Alex Favola in his life, he wouldn't be here today. Yeah, and it would be really interesting to hear how they reflect on this time now, whether their opinions or their thoughts have changed. I mean, the great coincidence of this story is what happened earlier this year. I know we covered it on Shameless, but 
Brendan's daughter Mia was trolled after going public with a new boyfriend. He happened to be an AFL rising star and she had previously dated two other AFL players. And so she was slut shamed by a lot of people online for dating a third AFL player. Yeah, which is a fascinating parallel given that keen sports fan Lara Bingle story that we touched on in episode one. The fact that this was once a storyline that Brendan Favola was involved in in a very, very different way. His quotes do kind of feel a bit eerie and a bit bizarre that this is where we found ourselves 15 years on. He said on his radio show, I've just read an article on news.com.au saying Mia Favola's been slut-shamed after going public with her new boyfriend. As a father, that hurts a bit to read that. He then spoke a bit about the double standards and how unfair it is to judge women based on their sexual relationships or their romantic relationships. He said, blokes can do whatever they want. They can go and date girls and no one judges them. It's a lad thing. But as soon as a girl does it, Mia's been with a couple of football players. That's okay. People date tradies. That's their profession. It's it's really hard to read. And I know that we did touch on this a little bit ago on Shameless Simon about pop culture raps. But I think once you've gone through the entire context of what happened between Brennan Favola and Lara Bingle, these quotes stand out even more. I mean, even this one, the keyboard warriors who are slut shaming my daughter, it's just not on. It just pisses me off that people can write that and say vile things online about any girl, not just Mia. Mm. I think it would have been so, so powerful for Brendan to stop in that moment and go, you know what? I was once this person. I was once the person who either stood on the sidelines and let it happen or I was the person who actively contributed to it. And I think it is admirable for a man to come out and speak out about slut-shaming of women and to care about the slut-shaming of women and push back against the rhetoric. It doesn't mean as much, though, when that man only considers the women he's directly associated with, only considers the women he's related to. Brennan Favola effectively contributed to this culture when it was a woman that he had slept with. And I just wish he afforded Lara Bingle any shred of respect that he affords his own daughter. Yeah, and I think there's still time. Like Mm. there is still time to come out and correct the record. Like I would absolutely love to still hear him talk about it because I think it is the one thing that this narrative needs. I think a lot of people have asked us when we announce Scandal, are you just going to dig up old stories? And it's like, well, a little bit, yes, we're digging up old stories, but in many ways they're so bloody important to be looked at again with a new modern lens. It is so important for us to look at how we have changed, whether we've changed at all, whether the people in this narrative have had redemption stories and if those redemption stories have been dependent on their apologies because this one hasn't and that's the thing that troubles me. Well, it's like redeem your own reputation but bring the people with you who are also harshly treated in that moment. It's not enough just to climb the ladder, pull people up with you. Exactly. I mean, that's Brendan's redemption story. I want to talk about the redefining of Lara Bingle because she did an incredible job of redefining who she was in the public eye. Yeah, she did have a couple of crappy years. I think that is an understatement. So after her split with Michael Clark, she did shortly after the Woman's Day article came out, by the way, sever ties with Max Markson, which I think we would all agree is a great choice. I don't think he was making managerial decisions that were in the interests of her long-term career, her longevity in the public eye. She did sever that relationship. She went on Dancing with the Stars for three weeks in 2011. 2012, to me, seems like probably her worst year as far as her reputation goes. She was involved with a couple of traffic incidents. She was involved with a hit and run and charged for that, driving without a license as well. She came out with a reality show called Being Lara Bingle that was based on her life in Bondi. 
It wasn't the best. It was the best. <laughs> it was the best because it wasn't the best, That's if that fair. makes sense. It was cancelled after one season. But it's where she went from there that's really impressive. Yeah, 2013 seemed to be really the year that things changed. In 2013, Lara co-designed a line of bikinis for Cotton On. Now, Mish, I don't know if you remember these bikinis, but these were hot property. I had a <laughs> leopard print one-piece from Cotton On from Lara's range and it was the hottest thing I owned in 2013. But that same year, she attended attended an event in Central Park, New York for Cotton On and who happened to be there? Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. She told the Kyle and Jackie O show many, many years later after that meeting that she knew Sam was the one when she met him. She said, I remember I had a house here in Sydney in the eastern suburbs and my mum was over helping me clean. I said, mum, I'm going to get married. And she said, what? You've just met the guy. A classic romantic our Lara Bickle. I, I absolutely love it. And she was bang on a year later on December 28, 2014, after relocating to the US to live with Sam Worthington she married him. They got married when she was six months pregnant. They only had 10 people at the ceremony. And that was perhaps one of the first times that we saw the new Lara Bingle, the Lara Bingle who wasn't going to live her life in the spotlight. Well, at this point now she's Lara Worthington. And I think that real line in the sand between who the public thinks Lara Bingle was to who the public thinks Lara Worthington is, is very different. I mean, Lara and Sam are now widely regarded as one of the most private celebrity couples there is. In an interview with Stella Magazine in 2019, she explained, I really take pride in protecting my family. It's not just about me anymore. I have less of a voice and I'm happy about that because sometimes there's too much talk. In fact, Sam doesn't even have social media. And if mine was to go away tomorrow, it wouldn't leave an imprint on my life. All my friends are my real friends. I don't need to talk to them through Instagram. It really does seem like they live a very quiet life. Of course, the Bondi Paps follow them around. They are living in Australia for the moment while Sam does some acting work here and also across in New Zealand for the next Avatar film. But their life seems really quiet. They've got three children. It really does seem like they've settled into, yes, a very luxurious, very expensive life, but one that is very private. Lara does work on her not-for-profit Share the Base, and she has donated 100% of profits from Share the Base to three separate charities, each chosen by the customer at checkout. Last year, according to Marie Claire, the brand donated over 100 grand. Yeah, which is a pretty incredible feat for this being her her job and what she's known for. She did tell Marie Claire this year about her and Sam Worthington. We work together really well. It gets better and better, to be honest. I think that's why we keep having more kids because it's a very enjoyable family. We're happy and the kids are happy and Sam is super present. That brings us to now, I think. It does bring us to now. I mean... There's been so much in this story over the course of 15, 16 years and it makes me wonder a lot and I know we've mentioned this over the course of the last two episodes, what would happen differently now? Well, I would hope that we wouldn't talk about Lara in the way that we did. I would hope that male journalists, particularly male sports journalists, take it on themselves to think more carefully about how they represent the women they're writing about. I think a lot of white male journalists have something to answer for here. The way they depicted Lara was nothing short of slut-shaming. And I would absolutely hope we wouldn't do this to a woman today. I think in the context of the nude photo and the revenge porn, I think a really good example to look at now is former Neighbours star Olympia Valance, who came out last year and said that she was having someone try to share nude photos of her last year, that she was basically being blackmailed about them. And she was very rightly treated as a victim and someone deserving of, of public support. I mean, even the Daily 
Mail's, one of the most vile local publications we have. You know what? The vilest. Is vilest <laughs> even a word? The most vile, I should have said, managed to display empathy for her. Their headline about Olympia Valance was, actress Olympia Valance is left traumatised over nude photo hack as she shares a powerful message to men who watch revenge porn. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to read that. As I was to read News Corp's headline, Olympia Valance, why she has the right to not apologise over nude pics. Such a distance away from what we've read about Lara. And thank God. I just feel sad for the women who were dragged through the mud for so many years. It's amazing that we're at this point now. It's incredible that we're at this point now. But what I hope is that the next time someone brings up Lara to the listeners in conversation, they can point to some of these things, point to the stuff we've covered in these episodes and kind of rewrite the record. Because even though Lara Worthington has come so far now, and even though she has done so much work to pivot her public image, the Brendan Favola scandal is still brought up in the articles where she's written about. And I would hope that people start to reframe her in their own minds if they still have a hangover from this era. It was 2010 when Lara Bingle told us and told the world, it is important for me to try and restore my own sense of dignity and self-respect by taking control of the situation and showing everyone that is not cool or funny to send an unauthorised nude photo of someone to your friends. It's just a shame that it took us so many years to catch up with her. So many years. We are going to leave it there. As always, guys, come and join the conversation with us. We are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We will have a whole carousel of images there to sort of spark your memory about the era that was, you know, 2010. But for next week, what's our next two-part series, Mish? We're going sugary, guys. I cannot wait for this one. We're talking Kim K and Chris Humphreys and their 72-day marriage. I tell you what, as someone who has put on the record that they haven't consumed a lot of Kardashians in my time, I've watched a few episodes here and there, but I haven't watched a lot. (laughs) This was fascinating because this was the kind of story that I think even huge Kardashians fans probably aren't across from the start to the end. Yeah, well, you're looking at one. And when we researched this together, I kept finding my jaw basically hitting my desk because I couldn't believe some of the details I didn't put together in the moment. So I cannot wait to go back in the archive and look at exactly what happened between Kim and Chris in, again, I think it was 2010. It was 2010. This episode was researched by us, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. You have been listening to Scandal by the Shameless Podcast. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or click follow on Spotify to stay up to date with when our newest episodes drop. Every Monday, we will bring you a new Scandal episode back in the past. And then on Thursdays, we'll catch you up with the present with a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. If you want to chat about this episode, as I said, follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We will be back in your ears on Thursday. See you then. Bye. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. 
there is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.